What is up? I am so glad you're here today and you are in for a real treat. Mm, Actually, more like a party because that's what today's episode is going to be like. Here's the deal. The interview today, I have been planning for months. I literally adore the lady I'm going to interview today, and you are too. When I found her on social media months and months and months ago, I looked at a couple episodes and I was like, oh my gosh, she is so legit. She's funny. She's smart. She could explain things in a very educational way that I could understand with humor. And I learned things I had never heard about before about my own body. And I feel like as females, there's so many subjects that are untalked about, and she touches all of them. Her name is Dr. Janelle Howell, and her Instagram handle is the Vagina Rehab Doctor. She is amazing on social media. She's on TikTok. She's on Instagram. And she's extremely passionate about creating a radical culture for vagina health where anyone can learn anything and get qualified information about the pelvic floor and enlightening us in a very entertaining way. You will love her. She has her doctorate of physical therapy and she specializes in pelvic health and currently works in Chicago at Northwestern Hospital. She provides pelvic floor courses. So she does like a course on vagina stretch lab and master classes. And she also has an ebook called The Vagina Food E Guide, which is teaching you exactly what types of foods to support your flourishing vagina. If you can tell my words, she is amazing. Her tagline on Instagram is, I'm teaching you all the things your mama didn't about your vag. I mean, does it get any more amazing than that? Because I feel like for women's health, we are getting way better about openly talking about things, but it has only even been in the last, you know, five or so years that we started talking about diastasis recti and pelvic floor and all these things. Like I had my twins almost nine years ago and those words were like barely non-existent. Like I never knew anyone who talked about them and we're getting so much better at it. And Janelle is so fantastic about talking about so many more and deeper layers that I have never thought of. And she makes it so casual, so educational and not awkward at all. You are going to love her. Today, we touch on all kinds of things. We talk about the pH level of our vaginas and why it matters. We're going to talk about a tight pelvic floor and a weak pelvic floor. We're even going to talk about foods that help support our vaginas and why stretch labs are important, like why we should stretch and how we're causing ourselves problems. She is fantastic. Probably one of my favorite interviews just because I truly enjoy her personality so much. And I know you are going to as well. It's going to be fantastic. So I'm super excited for you. Before we get started, though, don't forget if this episode is helpful to share it on your social media with your girlfriends, with your mom, with females. Can we spread the word and start making things normal about women's health that like we don't see in magazines and we don't see everywhere, but like we need to know those things. So please share the episode if you find it helpful or you can leave a review anywhere that you listen to your podcast. Today's review is by jward12608. It's titled Amazing. I listened to many of your podcasts, but the one that I listened to this morning about the scale really hit me. It wasn't until I could hear the sadness and passion in your voice when you were talking about your daughters that it hit me. I too have daughters that look up to me, and I'd be devastated if they measured their worth by the number on the scale. She is invaluable, and I want her to know, so I have to drop my bad habits so that she grows up knowing that is more than a number. Thank you for that. Yes, yes, yes. To me, The reason I do this podcast is because if I can shift one person's mind to see things differently, if I can just have 
that episode on the scale. It's, I think, two back. It's called Your Connection with the Scale. I highly suggest listening to it. But to me, if I could shift one person's mind to stop weighing their self-worth on the scale and explain why the scale doesn't make sense, it's worth it. So I'm thankful that you write reviews. It helps the podcast grow. It helps me be able to record more. It helps spread our message so that more people feel truly comfortable in their own skin and we just feel better about ourselves, which is also what the topic is about today. We are going to talk about feeling good in our own skin even and how important that is to be aware of our needs and aware of what's going on in our bodies, which is huge. And I feel especially like as a female population, we're just so disconnected with what's going on because we have so much in our mind that we turn our bodies off. And before we get started, I am truly curious if you are like me, where you like nice things, but you tend to not be able to keep track of anything. Here's an example. I love sunglasses. I love wearing them all summer long. I like working out in them. I like a quality pair that isn't going to like squeeze my temples and it's not going to bounce around. Yet often I don't want to pay the amount for those, which is why I have fallen in love with Gooder. My husband actually bought them first. He was wearing them and they were like polarized and nice. And I was like, ooh, those are fancy. And he was like, they're 25 bucks. I was like, 25 bucks? I literally took his glasses. I wore them the whole next week during my workouts, to the splash pad, to the pool, everywhere. They never bugged my face. They didn't bounce around. They didn't slip. As I mentioned, they were polarized. They are $25 and they have a 30-day free return, which is pretty amazing. And clearly, I'm not the only one that likes them because they have over 39000 positive reviews. So crazy, right? So if you're looking for a good pair of quality sunglasses that you can take anywhere and you don't have to overthink losing them, I highly suggest Gooder. My code, you get an additional 15% off and the code is simple. So you can go to Gooder, which is G-O-O-D-R.com slash simple. So spell the word good, add an R.com slash simple, and you get 15% off. They have a ton of different ones, and they're super cute. So I highly suggest them. They're affordable, they're trendy, and they actually look amazing and feel amazing. And I don't have to worry because they're not overpriced. 15% off, simple. So let's get straight into it. Dr. Janelle Howell, the vagina rehab doctor, breaking down all the things your mama didn't tell you about your vagina. Here we go. My name's Andrea Allen, and I am a mother of four girls under seven, a wifey to a mountain man, a personal trainer, and a nutrition coach. I love all things women's health and fitness, but let's face it, the fitness industry is complicated and it's not built for the everyday mom. There's so much conflicting information and you're busy and you don't have time to figure it out. I hate feeling confused and overwhelmed. So I have made it my mission to simplify health and fitness while creating a welcoming, realistic, and empowering home for like-minded women. I'm happy you're here and I hope you stay a while. Okay. Hey, Janelle, I am super excited that you are here. I, I stalked you for a long time from a distance and then I started reaching out to you and I was like, I got to have you on the podcast. You are so enjoyable to watch on social media. I just love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here as well. I love all your content online. And so I'm really excited to just talk with you because I feel like we have a lot in common. Okay, so Dr. Hal has the kind of page where you go to it and you're like, no, what? That's a thing. I had no idea. <laughs> I go there every time and I'm learning and I'm like, who 
who knew? Why did my mama not tell me that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, okay. So tell us what are the most, first tell us your background. Tell us your background. I know everyone knows you're a public floor specialist, but tell us your background. Okay. So I am from the South. I grew up in Alabama, small town. Well, it's a city called Huntsville in uh, Northern Alabama. Um, I went to a uh, Christian school. So I'm a uh, Christian at heart. I love the Lord. <laughs> you know, that's me. Um, I, I smile I, when I see you weaving it in. Like, I know you Christians and then you'll point something out and I'm like, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Gotta call them out. Gotta call them out. So, so yeah, that's me. I went to Oakwood Academy, which is a black, historically black Christian um, university. And uh, I went there from kindergarten all the way to college. So they have a oh, wow. They have the elementary, the middle school, the college. So I went there for, for pretty much all of my education, ma- uh, majored in pre-physical therapy. And then I moved out to California. Um, I went to the University of the Pacific. That's where I got my doctorate in physical therapy. Um, after that, I started doing traveling physical therapy for a while. Then I got into women's health physical therapy, a.k.a. pelvic floor physical therapy. And I love that. I love helping women and people. <laughs> figure out more about their vaginal health and their pelvic floor health. And so that's, that's where I am now. I'm just starting to share more of that content through social media. Um, but I've been doing that for about the past four years or so. Awesome. Awesome. So yeah. you literally, I feel like you know and explain things about women's health and the pelvic floor that I've never heard. Like, I'm like, oh, no one's ever addressed that with me. So I want to talk about what are the most common things you see in the clinic? What are the most common things that people don't realize are a thing is what I kind of want to point out too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Common things that I see in the clinic is most definitely um, women and people who do not know how to accurately just engage their pelvic floor muscles. So I would say this is probably one of the groups of muscles that are, we're the most disconnected to because we can't see them. We can't see these muscles. We can't, when they are contracting, usually they're like subconscious, like we're pooping and they're relaxing, but we kind of don't even really realize it. Or maybe we're uh, sexually aroused and they're contracting, you know, during orgasm. But many of the times where the pelvic floor is most active, it's involuntary. So then okay. when we start having issues like we're peeing our pants or we're having painful sex or we're having constipation or prolapse, and we want to actually start improving your connection to the pelvic floor, most people don't even know how to Kegel correctly. It's so like I think they're oblivious. They're oblivious. And what's what's fun, well, not funny, what's interesting is that many people think they do. <laughs> most yeah. of us think we know what we're doing. But when I go in and do this pelvic floor muscle assessment, I mean, the squeeze, they're squeezing their butt, their belly, they're squeezing everything but their pelvic floor. (laughs) And then when it comes to actually relaxing and letting go, it's like letting go of someone's hand when you shake their hand. Most people don't know how to let go. I'm like, did did you try to let go? (laughs) So our pelvic floor is, is tensed up. It's weak. It's and we we are disconnected from that area of our body. Yeah, I could definitely see that because a lot of times even people will write me and say, "I don't know if I'm actually like closing, lifting my pelvic floor, yep. my butthole squeezing, or or something else." And I even remember the very first time I tell when I went to PT myself after my twins, 
it was it was blurred on there. It was I had no idea it was going blurred on. Lines. Right. I, I was like, I don't know. That's a part of my body I didn't connect to. And I remember I went in and she said the same thing to me. She was like, okay, lift your pelvic floor. And I was like, okay, I am. And she was like, no, you're squeezing your butthole. And I was like, I am. And I was so sad about it. And now obviously I know the difference, but you realize how many people don't. And I can honestly say I was one of those people who didn't either, you know, nine years ago. But I mean, even beyond squeezing your butthole, because it's it's quite difficult to separate vagina from butthole. Oh, they're but attached. you have people squeezing their butt cheeks. Yes. No, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> their butt cheeks. And I'm just like, no, that's not it. That's, that's very true. I mean, they yeah. are attached, so there might be movement, but like it's very different. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. Even even people that are, you know, fit and healthy, even we can learn more. I mean Again, this is not a, an area that we see moving, relaxing. So it takes effort and many times it takes professional help to learn more about how to correctly support your pelvic floor muscles. A hundred percent. And the beauty is you can always learn. It doesn't matter how long ago you had a baby, if you've never had a baby, if it's been 40 years, even now, I still, if something's a off, I'm like, I'm going to go to my local PT <laughs> and have her check me out. Like, I'm like, oh, I think, I think maybe this is going on. And just to have that open dialogue with someone yeah. who knows is nice. It's really nice. Absolutely. And at any age, I love that you said that. I any mean, age. I'm constantly seeing patients that come in and they're like, yeah, I've had to pee every 30 minutes ever since I was 15. And they're like 50 something. And I'm no. like, yeah, no, that's no longer allowed. And yeah. so they leave like, oh my gosh, I thought this was just how life was going to be. Yeah. I'm like, no, you, that's not normal. And this is how you can get control. So I, I love that you brought that out, that it doesn't matter if you just had a baby or if you're 50, 60, 20, that, that there's always therapy. There's always rehab for us available. Yeah. And people think like, oh, I'm too far gone. I'm like, there's no such thing. There yeah. is no such thing. It doesn't matter how long it's been. You, it's, and it's the same in fitness, like in my world, like when people are like, oh, I've been out of shape for 20 years. I'm like, OK, well, now you're going to get in shape in year 21. Like it, it doesn't really right. matter. It's totally. it's all relative. So what are some simple things that we could be aware of of about our vagina or our health, like in general, that our moms didn't teach us? Because I know we kind of talked about the pelvic floor being tight and loose. But like, what are some common things about our vagina that we I feel like as a female population are unaware of? Because maybe our moms didn't talk about it. Maybe it was like taboo, which is silly because it's part of who we are. Yeah. One of the things that I would say is that of course our parents don't really talk in detail about sex and sure. like sexual arousal and different things and don't really have to. Um, you know, everyone's going to have their own beliefs, morals. And so you may not feel comfortable, but I think what's important for us to know is that you may not be getting sexually aroused on a regular basis, but you do need to be getting aroused. And okay. what I mean by that is that not all types of arousal are sexual. Arousal literally means more blood flow rushing to your clitoris and your vagina. Many times because of thoughts are, are touch, sexual touch, but simply the way you're sitting can bring more blood flow to your vagina and your clitoris and help you with things like your libido. What? Okay. How do we sit then? Because as I sat here yeah. right now, I was like, so do like, I sit up? Do I all, slouch? Yeah. First of all, you should feel like your the, 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 the sit bones, the, the bones under your butt are actually being sat on and not your tailbone. So there shouldn't be so much pressure towards the backside of your pelvis. You should have more of your weight going through like the vaginal region. 
Okay. So that now you're getting some pressure input to the clitoris, to the vulva, to the vagina, and that's helping to keep the muscles relaxed and open to allow for more blood flow. So, I mean, a lot of people struggle with things like libido and all of that. But even if you're not in a sexual relationship, if we just think about arousal, sometimes non-sexually, we need that arousal. We need blood flow and nutrients coming to the pelvic floor, coming to the clitoris, because that's a body part. That means it needs to be healthy to support us. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know for a tight pelvic floor, they can say if you're sitting too long. So when they suggest that, is it because they're sitting with their, you know, they're sitting more on their coccyx bone or sitting back more on the butt, not on the sit bones? Is that part of what's causing that? Most definitely there's that part, but just sitting period, whether you're in good posture or not, we don't want to sit for too long because that's just, you know, that's being sedentary. That never really helps anything. If we let our car sit in the garage for three months at a time, you know, that's not doing our car any favors. No, it's actually better to drive your car. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the same way with your, with your body is, is that we're made to move. So if you're going to be sitting and most of us do have sitting jobs, then we need to think about after an hour, can we just stand up for a minute, literally just a minute Okay. It's better than sitting for one, two, three, four, five hours on end because that's going to lead to stiffness, lack of blood flow, pelvic um, asymmetries, those sorts of things. So okay. that's one of the reasons. But and then also what you said is how we're sitting. That's going to also impact our pelvic floor because when we're slouched, that closes the pelvic floor muscles and can lead to uh, hyperactivity or in, in other words, too much tension or, or excessive tightness in the okay. pelvic floor and vagina. Here I am like sitting up being like, get on your sit bones, girl. Yeah. <laughs> it's really like just untucking your tailbone. Like yeah. imagine that your tailbone is like a tail mm-hmm. and you want your tail to be behind you all the way, not under you. So don't sit on your tail, keep your tail behind you. And that can help a great deal. Oh, that makes sense. That totally makes sense. So anything else you feel like would have been useful for us to know, you know, before we get to the point where we have to see a PT and at what level should we see a PT, you know? Yeah, I think another thing that, you know, we were never taught is that what we eat can directly impact our pelvic floor muscles. So say, for instance, you're not really eating a lot of whole foods. Maybe there's a lot of fast food or maybe there's a lot of um, you know, chips and, you know, pizza and we're busy. So we're just getting what we can. We're not going to be having as much fiber and that is going to increase the level of strain when it is time to poop. The more you strain when you poop, now you're weakening your pelvic floor muscles. And so now we're at an increased risk for things like hemorrhoids, prolapse, and just weak pelvic floor muscles. And these are not the muscles that we want to be weak. Believe me, (laughs) we want them to be healthy, strong and coordinated. And that means contracting strongly when they need to, but also relaxing fully when we need them too for things like pooping, passing gas and having sex and having babies, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's really important that we pay attention to what we're eating. That also is a way to manage your pelvic floor. I never even thought about, yeah, if you're not eating foods that are making more constipation or, and I knew that's a sign, but I never even, for some reason, never clicked like, Yeah, sometimes the way we eat, if we're not eating enough fiber, if we're not eating enough things to pull through that, through our intestines, then yeah, it's going to create more stress on the pelvic floor. And that's a simple thing that's got nothing to do with fitness or Kegels or anything, but simply like 
yo, don't get constipated. Right, just try not to. I mean, think about this. 50% of people that have constipation, it's not due to their gut or lack of fiber. Yeah. Actually due to their pelvic floor muscles not being coordinated to actually relax. So when we poop, those muscles have to turn off and get out of the way for the poop to come out. But many of us, we don't even realize as we're trying to push our poop out, our muscles are actually closing. And so the poop now can't exit. So then we're constipated, not because of lack of fiber or because of, you know, our gut. It's our pelvic floor. So if anybody's listening that have like recurrent constipation or chronic constipation, don't exclude the possibility of needing a pelvic physical therapist. Okay. So when should we like think about seeing a women's PT? I know a lot of times people think, oh, I feel like often people wait until it's like extreme, but like, what are some examples of things we could be like, okay, I need to get a hands-on assessment. Okay. So I feel like there's the top four and these are like the most obvious signs that you need to see a pelvic physical therapist. Anytime that you're leaking pee, that should not be coming out, right? If you're not over the toilet, the pee should not be coming out, even if it's a drop. So that's incontinence, even if you're licking a drop or a squirt, okay? That's when you should see a pelvic PT. The other thing would be prolapse. If you're feeling any bulge or ball that feels like it's coming through the vagina, if you're feeling vaginal heaviness a lot, or maybe you have to push back on the vagina in order to poop, that's usually a big sign of prolapse. So if you feel like you have to either insert a finger into the vagina to allow you to get that poop out, That could be a major sign. And that includes like pressure, right? Like I had someone reach out to me the other day and they said, I have pressure. I'm like, you need to get in and see a PT because you could have prolapse if if you're feeling like this pressure down there. Pelvic pressure, abdominal pressure, like heaviness in the lower pelvis. Yeah. That can be a sign. But also um, definitely sexual pain. So if you're having pain with either initial entrance are you having pain with deeper thrusting during intercourse? Then uh, this is definitely a sign. Um, the other main thing I say would be, so we talked about prolapse, incontinence, sexual pain, and then constipation. Yeah, those are the biggest ones. And if you're frequently peeing or if you feel like you have to urgently get to the bathroom, like it's an emergency, and you want to slap people, say, get out the way. I got to get to the bathroom. <laughs> it shouldn't be like that. And if you feel like you're always looking for a bathroom, you know, where all the bathrooms are, you pee every single time before you leave the house, that could be a sign of some pelvic floor dysfunction. I love that. I love those are four simple things we can be aware of if you have them reach out, find someone in your area. Those are the major ones. And I will add a link in the show notes of where, like where you can put in your zip code and find one near you. Cause I think that's helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Those are the most common ways. I mean, but there's other things like, Hey, if a tampon hurts, that's a sign. Okay. Uh, If you have pain after sex, maybe not during, but even after sex, that's a sign. Hmm. We have endometriosis. You know, if you've had sexual trauma, uh, okay. So these are different things where we may not think of immediately, but it's it's probably affecting the pelvic floor and you want to tackle it before it gets worse. Okay. That makes yeah. complete sense. Absolutely. Something else you talk about on your page, which truthfully, I'd never, I never even thought of it was the pH balance of our vagina and what it affects. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because I remember when I stumbled upon that, I probably spent an hour stalking your page like, what? What is this pH balance? Yeah. 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 So I love talking about vaginal pH because a lot of us struggle with infections. And this is just a part of having a vagina. There's millions, probably billions of bacterial strains that live in the vagina. Same with the gut. 
So we have a chance of the bacteria getting thrown off. And sometimes the bacteria being disrupted can lead to pH disturbances, but pretty much that just means the acidity level of the vagina has been disrupted. So we want our vagina to be acidic, very much similar to a lemon or wine, believe it or not. Ooh, a fine wine down there, ladies. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is why people can get drunk from vaginal from being inside of a vagina. Oh, leave it to me to, leave, to make an inappropriate joke. <laughs> you know, people love vaginas and, and for good reason. No. But so when, when the acidity level has changed and it's no longer acidic, that will increase our risk for getting infections. Okay. And so I, I like to just mention different things and help people who are getting recurrent bacterial vaginosis. Yeast infections are not necessarily dependent upon your pH level, but things okay. like sugar, things like moisture, things like having diabetes and you don't know about it can be contributing to yeast infections. And so I like to talk about that a lot because different things that we do throughout the day, we have no idea that can be, these things can be impacting our vaginal pH. Uh, for example, Starbucks lattes. What? <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So Starbucks lattes, they are loaded with sugar. When I tell you that women are supposed to have about 26 grams of sugar for the whole day, one latte can have almost 60 grams of sugar in one latte. And so we have the bacteria that live in our vagina, they feed off of sugar. So essentially they get very excited when especially artificial sugar comes floating through the bloodstream and then they get to multiply and, and, and create a ruckus. So different things like fragrances, soaps, what we're eating, um, you know, unprotected sex with probably someone who may not be exclusive to you. These are some things that can impact our vaginal pH and, of course, our vaginal health overall. So I didn't realize, like I said, that we have this pH and it can be thrown off by a couple of different things. You mentioned it could affect possibly if we get yeast infections or some other things. How else do we have signs that our pH is off? Like what can people look for if they're curious? Like, oh, I didn't know. What should I, what should I look for if I'm curious if my pH is balanced or off? A funky smell. Oh, okay, that's if good to know. <laughs> not just funky, let me reword that. Not funky because naturally we'll get funky if we're yeah. moving around doing things. A fishy smell. Okay. So if you're smelling something that feels like fishy and very raunchy, like it's a stench, strong, I mean, very unpleasant odor that smells okay. fishy, that can be a major sign of bacterial vaginosis. Okay. Another sign would be abnormal discharge, like maybe gray discharge or yellow stuff coming out of your vagina. Um, these things can be impacting or can be a sign of vaginal pH disturbances, even constant watery discharge. That's like constantly coming out through vagina and it's, it's in no connection to ovulation. You're just always having this like watery discharge. Sometimes that can be a sign of something bacterial going on as well. Again, yeast infections, that's, you can have a normal pH, but still struggle with yeast infections. And so those can be due to, like we talked about, if someone has diabetes and they don't know it, there can be there there will be higher levels of their blood sugar. So that's going to also feed into to the yeast or staying in sweaty clothes for a long time, working yeah. out. And then you want to go run all these million errands while you're like wet. So different <laughs> things like that can also contribute. So these are things, I mean, we should be talking about, of course, to your OBGYN, if you have an active infection, you do need to see a medical provider. But a lot of people struggle with how do I prevent it from coming back? 
Yeah. And most, most of the time we don't have these talks on well, what's impacting it to begin with. Okay. So we know kind of what to look for. How, how can we prevent it then? What can we do to fix it? What can we prevent it from coming in the first place? Stop using Bath and Body Works on your vajayjay. <laughs> Stop I- using all these things that say uh, orange blossom or uh, vanilla. You, you don't need any fragrance down there. Okay. So unscented soaps are the best. Okay. Some some providers, health providers, go as far as to say water only. I'm going to let you guys decide <laughs> whether you're brave enough to do that. But that's really all that's needed. We don't need a lot of fragrance because the vagina and even the outer uh, parts of the vaginal opening cleanse itself. Oh. So then when we start putting fragrances down there, it literally disrupts and gets rid of the bacteria that helps us to keep our pH in balance. That, you know, obviously being aware of our diet and you talk, I mean, you give a lot of advice on macros and the type of foods that we should be eating. So that plays a big part. And also our sexual behaviors. I mean, we can't ignore that. Um, The the other partner, we can't just ignore who we're um, being sexual with, what their hygiene is like, what their sexual life is like. Are they only sleeping with you? Are they sleeping with other people? If they are, are they using protection? All of these things play a really big part. And um I'm glad that we're getting to the place where we can talk about this in a public forum so people can learn. Yeah. And I know you've mentioned like water and just like having a more balanced diet. Anyone who follows me knows I'm super into moderation. That's like my jam. But I love that you're like, you just need to be aware. Like even with the sugar, you're like, if you're pounding tons of sugar, we all know that's not healthy. Moderation, normal amounts, you know, being aware of products. Like, I love that you pointed that out about products. I don't think I've ever thought about that. And then I thought, oh, just like they sell like diapers for people who pee, <laughs> they, they're they selling products that are, you know, fragranced for your nether regions. And it's like, you don't even need that. Again, it's playing into an insecurity yeah. that we have as females. And we're like, I'm insecure. I want things to be fresh. But what you're doing is actually causing issues. Same thing with a diaper. Oh, I don't want to leak. Well, you don't need a diaper or a pad. You need to go see a PT. So it's the same idea with the products and the fragrances. Absolutely. And, and the sad thing about it is those of us who may struggle a little bit more with the recurrent infections or the vaginal pH disturbances, we're going to be more tempted to get those yes. products that have the fragrance because they can it can help us cover up the signs of an imbalanced vaginal pH. So I hate to say it, but most of the feminine hygiene industry actually markets their products to people who are struggling. And Mm. these products don't help. These products, honestly, are probably contributing to the problem. (laughs) So it's it's best to say, okay, I need to stay away from anything extra. So most of the feminine hygiene industries and, and products are marketed towards us who either have insecurities about our smell the look or the function of our vagina and our vulva. Most of us who do not have those disturbances are going to be less likely to seek out products that try to make us smell better. Mm-hmm. But the issue is those, those products are contributing to the problem. Many of them have carcinogens. I'm talking about things that can contribute to cancer, toxins, mm-hmm. fragrances, all of these things your vagina hates and your vulva too. So I hate to say it, but the natural, the more natural you are down there, the better. 
Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And it is true that it, it's feeding into an insecurity. It's no different than dice recti, where people are like, oh, I want to fix my core. And then people are like, we'll do this crunch. And people are like, okay. <laughs> and then they're crunching like a maniac and they're making it worse. And you're like, yeah, there's a smell and you're trying to fix it with, you know, a mask, but it's just making it worse. So I think that's important to think about. And it is sad that it's actually really sad that we're marketing a product to a population that's struggling with something and what we're marketing is making it worse. That's really sad. Yeah. And I mean, it's understandable. Most industries are out here to make money. So mm-hmm. if you're in the feminine hygiene industry, then you're going to be out here to make money from women who have issues because yeah. every business is supposed to solve a problem. So they're, they're trying to solve some insecurity problems. They're trying to solve some health problems, but you know, it's not really helping us to figure out, well, why are we struggling with these issues to begin with? Why, why do I have this fishy smell? You know, yeah. why am I getting recurrent infections? And obviously perfume is, you know, not the answer. So is there anything else we could do on our own to kind of watch that balance? I know we mentioned water, you know, using fresh products, if not any products at all, water or non-fragranced, anything else mm-hmm. that you would suggest that? Food. So prebiotic foods. We, okay. we hear a lot about probiotics, but again, that's an industry. Mm-hmm. There's not. So the demand for probiotics are way beyond the actual science to back it up. Okay. So I'm not saying that probiotics can't be helpful. I've used them before in the past. But I mean, we have people taking a probiotic every single day because they think that they actually need to take a probiotic pill. So that's one thing. But then there's there's something called prebiotics. And this is the food that feeds the bacteria that we want to grow. Oh, so okay. taking a probiotic is just taking a live source of bacteria that is supposed to give us health benefits. But anything living has to eat. So it would make sense for us to, to just get out there and eat the foods that this bacteria wants to eat, the good bacteria, so it can flourish and grow and help us to maintain a normal and natural vaginal pH. So fiber foods are the ones that we should be focusing on, specifically soluble fiber. Okay. So things like oats, chia seeds, even whole grain, of course, fruits. An apple is actually a probiotic. <laughs> so I think at some point we're going to get to the place where we, f- where we figure out, wow, produce is, is our probiotics. <laughs> Any living thing has bacteria on it. And no, it's if true. we eat those living plants, we're going to get the, the benefit. Um, so that's a really big way. Is And, and if you do want to eat probiotics, don't just do the pills, do probiotic foods like kefir, yeah. sauerkraut, um, unsweetened yogurt, you know, these are things that can additionally help with uh, vaginal pH. I love that. I love that you point that out about an apple. A while ago, I did a gut biome test where they like uh-huh. test your gut health. Yeah. And I was sensitive to some coniferous vegetables, which is kind of common, but they said for me, a superfood for me personally, they were like, um, based on your gut biome, they're like, you need to eat more apples because it actually heals your gut, like based on what yeah. issues you're having. So it is important to be like, it's not always about a pill. Sometimes it's about just eating more whole foods yeah. and figuring out what you need. And I was like, apples, I can eat more apples. That's not a problem. Right. So easy, right? <laughs> right. Not a problem. Yeah. Cause they also creep different. So once those foods, you eat the apple and that fiber feeds a certain type of bacteria. And then that bacteria secretes compounds that improves your health and your gut health. And of course it does the same for our vagina. So, I mean, it can't be overstated that literally, I I hate to say how cliche it is. Food is medicine. 
It is. And it is literally medicine. We have to eat two to three times a day. Might as well eat some foods that are going to help you with your vagina. (laughs) Right. And people always think like, the sad thing to me is like people have learned over the years to fear food. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that to me is the saddest when I work with people and I'm like, no, if you can learn to balance food, it is a game changer for everything, mentally, physically, you know, everything it can make better. Even your vagina, we're learning now. It can make yeah, it all better, which totally. is awesome. Yeah, is I awesome. agree. Um, there, there's a lot of fear, most definitely from industries, even families, you know, our own yeah. insecurities. There's a lot going on. But when we realize that food can either be your ally or it could be your enemy. And like you said, the composition, the balance, it's not so much about eliminating every single thing, but are you eating enough of this and are you eating it with something else? Right. Yeah, that, that was a game changer for me because I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. So okay. that means I, if I am not really careful and I'm not taking specific supplements or foods that I won't get my period every month. It's not because of being pregnant. It's just a lack of ovulation but it goes back to insulin resistance. And so one of the biggest things about managing your insulin resistance is if you're eating sugary or carby stuff by itself, it will spike your blood sugar and that's going to contribute to your period irregularities. So literally for me, it's like one of the best things is eating a carb with my protein, with my fat, with my fiber and my sugar will just stay balanced. It's not that I really have to get rid of carbs but manage the amount and then eat it with something else. Don't let those carbs walk out here naked. That's huge, huge. And people don't even understand. So like what she's trying to say is when you pair a a carb with a protein, protein has a higher thermogenic rate. It takes longer to break down. So Mm -hmm. it basically doesn't make an, an instant insulin spike. Same thing with fat, fat, keeps you fuller longer. It actually makes digestion slower. Like often people are hungry on a regular basis. And I'll say to them, well, how much fat is in your diet? Fat actually helps. And that is like a hormone whisperer. It like helps balance things out. So I love the point you're making that it's like, it's about the balance, nothing extreme. Like if you want to have a carb, go ahead. But if you have, you know, any issues, you might want to link it with protein or fat because of the way your body digests it and then balances it out. It stays in the middle. There's no roller coaster. We're just driving in the middle. Game changer, especially for vaginal health disturbances, menstrual irregularities, not just PCOS, but painful periods, endometriosis, fibroids, because whenever our insulin spikes, that leads to um, an enzyme that will activate something that will turn testosterone into estrogen. And so when we have higher estrogen levels, we're more than likely to have more painful periods or more than likely to have, you know, ovarian cysts, fibroids. And of course, you know, it increases our risk for like reproductive cancers because most of them are estrogen dependent, breast cancer, endometrial cancer, all of that. So, I mean, sugar is like the secret. It's like if you balance your blood sugar by eating like what you just said, more Mm -hmm. protein, more fat, of course, vegetables and plants. Yeah. It can change your whole world. And on the flip side of that, if you're super estrogen dominant, it's hard to put on muscle and it's harder mm-hmm. to lose fat. So it is, it is, yes. for, for, it is like a triple whammy. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, you know, a few months ago, I, I don't know if you know, I came out with the vagina food e-guide. Yes. I looked at it. I loved it. Yes, because people are always asking like, what am I supposed to eat for my vagina? Or what are some foods that can help me? And of course, I mean, the simple answer would just be, Anything that's whole in one one ingredient, those are the best foods. If it's an apple, that's a really good thing. If it's an egg, that's great. 
So I created this. And what I did was I didn't just tell people what they should or what they can eat to help, but the benefits of those foods. Okay. I will link that for everybody. Yeah. So uh, for example, just very briefly, let's talk about blueberries. Um, Blueberries have a lot of vitamin C and we need vitamin C to help us make collagen. The walls of our vagina are made up of collagen and, and protein and sugars. And we need that collagen to help us stay elastic and help it to, um, to slow down the rate of things like vaginal atrophy or prolapse. I mean, all these different things, we need that collagen content. So what we're eating can literally help us with our skin, with our vagina, with our periods. And I've already said this. But you got to take your medicine. <laughs> you yeah. got to take your, your, your food every day, that, the good stuff um, that, that really wants to get to work in your body once it gets in there. I love that. I love it. And I, I feel like most of the time when I cover any subject, I'm like, and one of the top answers to fix it is good food. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. We can't get around it, you guys. You, you, we can't. And, and, and by no means, I feel like you're either of us saying 100% clean, you got to be perfect. But you have you have to just make sure you're adding in some solid good foods that are going to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Totally awesome. All right, so let's talk about your stretch labs. And I know that you do have a couple courses because I feel like honestly I'm a learner of life. Like I look at a lot. I follow a lot of PTs online. I follow a lot of people um, in the industry, and I like to learn from them. I think it's fascinating because everyone has different, um, expertise Mm -hmm. and I have looked at your stretch labs. I know you have some master classes. Why let's talk about the stretch labs and the master classes. Why is stretching like helpful for your vagina? Why does that matter? And you know, what are some of the master classes you feel like are you know, good topics. What are some things you cover? Because, okay, this, here's the main reason why I came up with the bad stretch lab. Number one, because all we've been told growing up is that you have to keep it tight. Yeah, it's true. And that is not, that information is not given for any other muscle in the entire body. I've never been told you have to keep your calves tight. You have to keep your hamstrings tight. You have to keep your neck muscles tight. It's not functional. We don't oh want gosh. any muscle to be tight. And you're so right. It's like, if your neck's tight, it's like, oh, that's bad. <laughs> that's bad. That's bad. And so, of course, I have to make the distinction. Of course, we're not saying, okay, your vagina should be really wide and really open. No, but tightness, even that term is, is dysfunctional. Mm-hmm. 98% of the time, my job, I work in urogynecology. So a lot of urinary incontinence, urinary frequency, urgency. 98% of the patients are too tense. So people okay. are, are, are assuming if they have a problem, they're weak. If they have a problem, they're loops. If they have a problem, they need to Kegel. And all I'm seeing every day is the muscles are restricted, tense, tight, painful. And I have to spend all my time un, untightening their vagina. <laughs> Which is so, like internal massages and yes, getting things. Yeah. Yes. So my fingers are tired. <laughs> I'm like, what can I do? What can I do, Lord? So, so the, the stretch lab is so we can learn how do we stretch our pelvic floor? Because again, we can't see these muscles. How the heck do you stretch your pelvic floor? So people that are struggling with pelvic pain, sexual pain, incontinence, even prolapse. A lot of people that have prolapse think that they have to hold everything in. So then they end up tensing all the time. So then their pelvic floor is also too tense. Yeah. 
So that's why I do the Vash Stretch Lab because it's helpful for our pelvic floor, but also even just our mental health. Many of us just need to relax, stretch, move. It's not always about pumping out the iron, which is very important. And I do, I do encourage weight training a lot, but that's the reason um, because I, I don't think there's enough emphasis on the balance of the pelvic floor. I think there's so much emphasis on the tightening, kegeling, tensing, yeah. um, but, but not enough on the releasing, relaxing, the lengthening. So that's the purpose there. I know for me, I had a really weak pelvic floor and then I went to PT and it made a big difference. And then I was overdoing things because I was like, oh, I was weak. And I actually developed a tight pelvic floor myself. And obviously we worked it out, but it was because I was like, oh, okay, I know how to lift. I know how to lift. And then I, I didn't realize, which, you know, I talk about, most people talk about, you really have to lengthen and relax too. And I, and I, was so focused on fixing that weakness that I actually swung the other way years ago. And I was like, oh, shoot. So it is important. And that's why I was like, oh, she does stretch labs. That's so great because I know that can be tricky. I will link some of the ones that she's done. And when you do more, if you follow, if you follow Janelle, Dr. Hal, you will see that she does do them. You do some master classes too. So like now that we know we need a stretch, it helps make sure our pelvic floor doesn't get too tight which causes just as many issues as a weak pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. What do you what do you do your master classes on? Like what types of things? Because I know not everyone has a pelvic floor specialist in their area. That's a common thing I see is people are like, I don't, I don't have someone close. They don't know who to talk to. And they're like, I don't really want to, they don't know who to reach out to. So what yeah. are some of the topics you cover in your master class? So I've done a master class on just overall vaginal fitness where we just, we uh, discuss how to breathe and how your breathing pattern impacts your pelvic floor. Um, we talked about, you know, your glutes and the importance of your butt, like how your butt is working with your pelvic floor. Um, I've done classes on vaginal pH um, because that is, again, a huge struggle for so many people with these recurrent infections and pH disturbances. So I talked about just from food alone, how food can help you and what are the, the research? What, what's the evidence showing in terms of, different nutrients that help us with our vagina, even beyond just um, infections, things like vaginal dryness. Um, I talked about how vaginal lubrication works and what's actually happening in the body to help support that. Um, right now, my my most, my, my masterclass that I'm really pushing that I want so many people to look into is um, things I can't say about your vagina on Instagram. <laughs> that's so, your next one, right? That's my next one. Okay. Because literally I've been banned from Instagram. Forget this. Talking about three things, literally. Diaphragmatic breathing. Seriously. I showed my, my belly and how when we breathe, what should happen with the belly and what happens with the pelvic floor. My story was taken down. They said that it was indecent. Literally, I was showing the side of my abdomen. I shared another post about clitoral atrophy, which a lot of people, again, have never heard of. I had a patient who told me, I wish someone would have told me that if I was sexually inactive for several years, that could contribute to clitoral atrophy. So now she can't see her clitoris. It's gone. The the hood has like fused over it. So I'm teaching a class about clitoral blood flow because many of us are not sexually active and we need to know well, what are some ways that we can support our clitoral health through exercise, through movement, through foods, through all of these different things. Um, so that's my next class, including clitoral blood flow, supporting your pelvic canister. So anyone who has pain, that canister is just a, a nice word for your core. 
Okay. If you have abdominal pain or pelvic floor hypertonicity, which just means tension, then something is going wrong with your entire core. Many of us just focus on the pelvic floor, but sometimes it's your belly. Sometimes it's your rib cage. Sometimes it's your weak back and your scapula. Like it can be so many different things. So I'm getting into that and also cervical mucus. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a little bit of a far-fetched idea in terms of pelvic floor, but that's also something that we should talk about as well and how that relates to our fertility and managing our menstrual cycle. I love it. I love it. I will link your masterclass, your next one, because I know you always change it up. And I do think that that one is really interesting. Yeah. Um, I probably will be going. I just feel like the more we know, the better we can help ourselves, the better yeah. we can actually give people good advice, the better we can help our children. Our, you know, I have yes. four girls. I have yes. four girls. And sometimes they even now ask me questions. I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> Right. I don't know. Right. And Paul, my husband's like, Paul's like, oh my gosh, don't ask me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah. I think, you know, I'll link that because I think that's important to, I, I, I think that's what I love about your pages. It's like, there's so many things that we don't talk about. And you're like, we're going to talk about them all. We're going to talk about them all. So you don't feel lost in your own body. Ooh, put that on a t-shirt. Girl. Right? Because everyone's felt that Ooh. way before. I felt that way where I'm like... I, I don't even, <laughs> it's so disconnected for it and, you know, so disconnected with our bodies. And so I think that that's huge that I think as women, we do feel lost in our bodies. Mm, that's a whole other podcast, it. girl. We <laughs> have uh, part two because that's, <laughs> that's so good. And many times we feel estranged from the places yes. that we thought would help us. Mm. Yes. And then we feel even more you know, lost in our bodies because maybe the doctors have failed us. Maybe our yeah. family didn't give us the right, you know, education. And so a lot and we're of ashamed us are to ask. Us. Yes. We're ashamed to ask. Turning, turning to social media. I think it's a good and a bad thing sometimes because not everyone on social media is qualified or has your best interests at heart. That's true. But then That's you true. meet amazing people like deliciously fit and healthy. <laughs> <laughs> and you see people actually giving great, balance, sound, you know, positive advice. So it's a, it's a great place, but I also think, you know, we have a lot of unlearning to do. It's almost like we have to address the trauma, you know, that that, that goes into like women's health and pelvic health and vaginal health, um, in order to, to really build on a solid foundation. I love that. And it is so true. So finishing up, if you could give one piece of advice to women, if you could have women do one thing different to care for themselves, for their health, what would it be? Mm, If I could give women one advice to care for themselves is to take time for you by yourself. I want to make that very clear because most of us have children are in a relationship or maybe we have a family. And when I say take time by yourself, I don't mean just like sit down and watch Netflix. Wow, that's just fine. And I enjoy that too. Take time, like take a bath, like get in the tub and like light a candle, you know, um, read a book, go somewhere on your own, because I feel like that increases the level of trust we have with ourselves. So that when we spend more time with ourselves, when our body sends us a signal, then we're used to actually listening to ourselves because we can actually hear ourselves speak. But if we're always doing stuff for other people, we're always doing things that are, you know, easy to do, but not necessarily supportive of like investing in our health, then I think that decreases the strength of the relationship that we have with ourselves. And, you know, we like to get specific, you know, with me and you, we talk about pelvic floor, vagina, abs, but at the end of the day, we're people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we're women, you know, we're, we're men, we're boys, we're, we're people who actually need to learn to love ourselves better yeah. so that we can care for ourselves better. I think it starts our, one of the foundations is just loving ourselves. And when you fall in love with someone or something, you have to spend time with it. So go do something by yourself. Yeah. So you can hear yourself better. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the takeaway this week is I want you, we want you to go do yeah. something by yourself. Cause it's true. If you're always outward looking outward, 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 mm-hmm. you're not going to see the inward signs that mm-hmm. something's off. You're not yeah. even going to see them. It's like with hunger. Sometimes people will say to me, Oh, I, I don't even know what hunger feels like. They are, they have like suppressed it and they don't even know what that feels like because they are so disconnected from their hunger signals. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that's a problem. Like you should know that sign, but we're so disconnected from our bodies that they don't see it. So I love that you're saying, pay attention to what you're feeling and you can feel best when you spend some time alone. And it doesn't have to be intense. It could be five, 10 minutes where you're relaxing, reading a book, exactly, you know, deep yeah. breathing, I go in my closet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the thing is, it's like, it's not even just only, you're not going to know, you know, when something's wrong. But even when you do feel like something's wrong, you're not going to trust that it's important enough to do something about it when yeah. you have never taught yourself how to do things for yourself. So I, I, I think it's so many layers to it. And I agree. It can just be five minutes, 10 minutes. Um, it's, yeah. And I'm also preaching to the choir. I'm preaching to myself. You know, we all have to Oh, I am too. Especially as business owners, entrepreneurs, creators. I mean, it's important to really take that time off and say, you know what? They're going to be here if I don't post anything today. (laughs) Right? I joke all the time that I'm like, you guys think I'm giving podcasts for you. These are just self monologues (laughs) that I'm speaking out loud to you. But really, I'm just teaching myself and you get to listen. Absolutely. Exactly. Yes. Oh, so funny. All right, Janelle, where can we find you? Like on social media, anything? Tell us where you're at. My website is vaginarehabdoctor.com. There I have recorded batch stretch labs from the past. Um, there I have my upcoming masterclass, Things I Can't Say About Your Badge on Instagram. And also just more about me. And then on Instagram, um, my Instagram account is vaginarehabdoctor. That's honestly where I give the most frequent information in digestible, you know, amounts where I, my goal is to make you laugh in the real and then in the caption to give you all the education and the information. So I'm on there. I'm on TikTok. TikTok is a little bit more laid back and it's just like, oh my gosh, hopefully no one goes and finds me on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also on there with the same name, which I Okay. Know doctor. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for being on. I was looking forward to this convo because I was like, she's going to talk about all the things people are not, have not heard of before. And I was super excited about that. Totally. Well, thanks for having me. I feel like it's a great opportunity. Thank you for, for all that you do. Okay. For real though. Wasn't she amazing? And don't tell me you didn't at least laugh once. Like seriously. She was a joy to interview. I would highly suggest following Janelle on Instagram. She's very open. She's very honest. And she does it in a very educational and normal way. I hope that you learned something today. I know I did. I know I'm even sitting upright better right now because I'm like, oh, don't tuck my tailbone. I need to make sure I'm getting good blood flow. Just things that truly matter. And even the connection with food and with, you know, a tight pelvic floor week and our pH balance, it all matters. And I'm glad that we are to a point where we can talk about it casually and not awkwardly and learn. And it's all good. It's all welcome here. I love that on this podcast, I feel like I can bring in guests 
that are going to help you, that are going to help me, that are going to help the female society as a population be stronger, better, and more secure and not feel lost in our bodies and know who we are. So I hope that you got a little bit more info today about your body. As always, you know I believe it with all my heart. You are doing better than you think you are, and we'll chat next week. 